This morning's Dharma talk uh, is titled. Did I title it? Yes. Why three refuges? Why refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha? What's that about? Well, is that something we could do away with, do without? Maybe. It's a form that comes down to us from uh, quite a long time ago, along with lots of other forms. So before we even get to the Bodhisattva vow of giving up on our, our own wishes and desires and actually dedicating ourselves to helping others, saving all beings, as it's sometimes said, being with all things, before we even get to that, <coughs> refuge in the Buddha, refuge in the Dharma, refuge in the Sangha, Refuge in the Buddha is the example of someone, uh, a human being, not a god, but someone who was sane. And what this, how do I define sanity? This is how I de define it. This is gone. No more warfare. I'm not saying this isn't there, but no opposition to any kind of negativity that comes up. You have the, you are in a place to realize this yourself. You can realize your own awakened nature, Buddha nature. It might take a while. So refuge in the Buddha, if when the, uh, in this situation, what I'm attempting to present and doing uh, as good as I can at it is the Dharma. And so I'm, though I'm not the Buddha, obviously, I'm, I'm in that kind of a position. I'm in a teaching position. I spent several decades not teaching. So refuge in the, the teacher, refuge in the Buddha. Uh, it's difficult to, to have, uh, have some kind of a connection with the Buddha unless you have a teaching person who he, she, they can help you make that connection because of their path, because of their practice, because they've, uh, as a Trungpa Rinpoche used to say, it's like baked bread, baked, uh, taking bread out of the oven. It's fresh. It's something that's completely fresh, even though it started, as far as we know, 2,500 years ago. Refuge in the Buddha is the example of someone who is sane. Refuge in the Dharma is the truth that uh, that is taught in Buddhism, is which is everything is dependently arisen. There are not there's no there's no there's no separate things anywhere. We're not saying they're not separated, but as far as fundamentally not separate. That's not something you can think your way into. Although you might have to do a whole lot of thinking to get to the edge of that cliff. That's why we do some. That's why we study all the sutras that we can get our hands on. We can get it in English. Revenge in the Buddha is the example. Revenge in the Dharma as the truth that he taught, which shows up lots of different ways. The Eightfold Path, 12 links on the chain of existence, the 12, uh, what are those called? Nidanas. Need all the help I can get. So uh, those 12 links show us how, in concepts, how ignorance uh, um, becomes sickness, aging, and death. At, but first going through a whole lot of... Uh, iterations of, of grasping and becoming and so on and so forth. You can study them if you want. So Refuge in the Buddha is the example of someone who actually is living that way. Refuge in the Dharma is the truth that he taught and Refuge in the Sangha of the community. Right now this is Sangha, whether you consider yourself a Buddhist or not. If you're in this room for uh, half an hour, you're Sangha. If this, is, if this is what your life is about, then you're Sangha all the time. From the point of view of the teaching person, there isn't anyone who isn't Sangha. They just don't know it. <clears throat> it's, just a, it's just a way of understanding. It's not just like the, the eight, uh, eight consciousnesses of the Vijnanavada Yogacara tradition. It's just a structure that we, we take all the mystery and we put this structure on it. And here's the Ali Vijnana, or the store consciousness. And then there's the, the seventh consciousness that's the confused mind, the ego mind, the grasping mind, the klesha mind, the paranoid mind that part of the mind that, that thinks there is somebody, 
and then there's there's just a thinking process, a sixth consciousness that just just thinks and and actually uh, facilitates the other five sense feels uh, facilitates them in such a way that you feel like you're one person. Look closely, see if that's true. So Buddha, Dharma. So someone who is a, who awoke, wake it up. How's that going? Is it waked? No, I don't care. It's someone who awoke. What did they awake to? They they awoke to nothing is separate from anything else. They realize that even though there's consciousness springing forth, there's consciousness that's giving its attention to everything and everyone all the time, receiving, receiving, receiving. That there's no actual receiver. If you think there's a receiver, that's a misunderstanding, and and you'll suffer because because everything starts to spin and it's very painful. Anytime you have nerve endings, whether on the tips of your fingers or on the on the in your uh, uh, consciousness, the area where you dream at, find those nerve endings. I think you're going to teach a course on that soon. Good luck. <laughs> Buddha Dharma Sangha. So a person who understood what the person taught in the community of people that are trying to understand what something there clicks when you remember the first time you stumbled into Buddhism. Something about that, if you're in this room, probably something about that was, was magnetized you. We don't know where that came from particularly. Uh, Buddhism is a, Buddha Dharma and Sangha is non-theistic. There is not someone else. Not only is there not, you're, you're not looking at someone, you're actually looking at projections. It doesn't look like it, does it? It looks like there's other other guys everywhere. Some really good ones, some really bad ones. Let me finish my uh, dithyram here, and then you can take over. <laughs> or not. Hold that question. <clears throat> so Buddha, Dharma, Sangha. So you, we take refuge, receive refuge. We go to uh, go to the Buddha for refuge. We go to this, uh, the Dharma, and we go to the Sangha. That, that needs to be your refuge, if you're going to practice this, or, or do something else. You know, this is not a corner on the truth necessarily. It's just a way to work with, suddenly you find yourself, or you notice, and you're a little child, somebody names you, tells you what to do, what not to do. You might have a really good mother and father. You might have a mother and father that are very suffering and are very suffering a lot and are very confused and could be really difficult to live with them. It's called karma. <clears throat> so Buddha Dharma Sangha. Sometimes you you might take that formally. You might actually receive those vows. In our tradition, if you if you receive uh, uh, those vows, uh, you also receive the bodhisattva vow, being with all beings, being with all things. So, of all these teachings, of the teaching person and what is being taught, and the sangha, don't believe anything. Don't believe a word I say. Please, don't believe it. Don't disbelieve it, and don't ignore it. And live your life that way. Go out and anytime you see anything, don't, don't, don't believe it. As soon as you believe anything, this is what happens in the mind. It shuts down and all investigation ceases, or at least most of it. And then we start operating out of judgment, picking and choosing, as it says in the sutra, the disease of the mind. Don't, you, you don't have to pick and choose. If you just, if you just uh, as I say over and over and over again, I know I say it to myself, don't do anything unless you have to. Uh, the other word, other word for that is patience. Just hold still and watch what moves. If you're watching what is fluctuating or moving, then your particular body speech, body speech and mind will find a way to dance with that. And that dancing may not be too comfortable, but at least it'll come out of, of the, to use a word I don't use often, the interconnectedness of everything. You'll actually find your place in that, and it'll be uh, 
it will not be discordant from the point of view of everything, from the point of view of two people standing next to you, they might not like what you're doing at all. It's not about doing things that please others <clears throat> from the point of view of their desires. And so how can you do that? How can you function where you don't believe, don't disbelieve, and don't look away? Those are the three poisons again. Grasping, rejecting, and ignorance, shutting down. Go ahead, Kevin. Uh, what was, uh, oh, what did you mean by uh, projection? What you see is the projection. So projection is just uh, you look at somebody, something, some situation, instead of seeing what it actually is uh, in, its, uh, in, its, uh, in its essence, you see your ideas about it. So you actually stop short of seeing what it is. And this could be based on hope that it'll be different than you thought. It can be on fear of what you might find if you actually looked at it without believing it, disbelieving it, or turning away. And, and the turning away is very subtle. I'm not talking about walking away. You can be turning away right while you're looking at it. We all know someone, it might be you. We all know somebody, and when we're talking to them, we can see, it's just like they just cloud over. You know, they're still smiling, and they're still going, yeah, yeah, see what you mean. But they're not really listening to you. You can, you know, we all know someone that never really receives. They just, they take whatever you say, they project their ideas onto it, and then they think they're receiving what you're saying when they're actually receiving what they thought you said or think you said. It's called, uh, in the three, three, uh, uh, the three own beings, it's called uh, parikalpata, or the imaginary nature, the impute, where we impute ideas about things and, and settle for that. We end up living, we end up actually missing our life as it would have been had we just lived in an open dimension of being that leads with a consciousness and not with a thought process. You need the thought process, but if your thought press process starts to lead your life, you start to think your way through everything, you're going to run into trouble because you're, you're functioning in a way that can't actually see uh, the complications that are all of the uh, contamination in terms of ignorance, in terms of passion, in terms of, of aggression. It's very difficult to see it. We just watch the news for... Watch MS and MSNBC for 20 minutes. I mean, it's it's even the really really intelligent uh, uh, people that are do, you can sense they're doing their best to be as fair and as understanding. Still, there's there's a confusion there that, and this is because these people do, have no mind training. They start with their thoughts rather than st start with the with the space in which the thoughts appear. I'll say that again. Did you hear it? Mm -hmm. Kind of a zen thing. Got to do those every now and then, or I wouldn't be able to stay up here. So just the spaciousness, <clears throat> just the, that openness. Uh, I sometimes say, uh, I'll make a statement about something, and I might say, uh, how do I know that? I don't know it. Knowing and, and not knowing are also not separate. You can't find two things anywhere. This, and, and, and this, when one sees this, this is emptiness. And when one sees deeply what that is, it's compassion. And that compassion is, is not something you... You're compassionate to others. I'm not talking about that kind of um, that kind of compassion. You may have to do that also, but I'm talking about something where you're actually even helping anyone feels just like helping yourself. It's just like covering up your own, uh, ministering to your own wounds because everywhere you look, you see your own wounds. Yes. Um, earlier, you said it's not about pleasing others and um, things that have qualities for others before ourselves. Um, do we know the difference between helping and pleasing? So first of all, as you've heard me say, don't meddle with people. Allow them to have their karma. Allow them, even though you see them going in a way that, that if they were to turn and ask you and say, hey, Shoto, what do you think? 
then then they're asking you. You say, uh, it doesn't look like a very good idea that you should be headed that way or doing that. But if they're not asking you, mind your own business. In other words, don't make a project of entering into someone else's confusion just because you can see how confused they are. You have to have permission. In other words, they have to be ready to receive the help. So chasing somebody down the street who's bleeding, uh, you know, probably should just let them go. You follow me? I know it's a, it's a poor metaphor. It's not a really a good metaphor for, for that. More? Are we able... I see you, Joseph. Can we just please people and not be helping them? Yes. Yeah, if your idea is being concerned about what people think of you and you're operating out of that, I'm not saying you can't do a little bit of that, but you have to be very aware of what that is. The sangha is a very, really powerful place where you have to be. It's just, I can't emphasize that. Sangha is so much, so important. And quite often it is either ignored in the meditation community or the Buddhist community, or it's misunderstood what it is. Very, very, uh, it's a very powerful uh, pot of stew, you know, fighting carrots, you know what I mean? Cabbages, damn carrots. You know, it's it's that kind of a kind of a thing. It's a difficult. This is why we here in the monastery, people who are temple or monastery residents, there's issues with people. We have a way of working with that. We sit down, look at each other, and we we communicate. Communicate. There's three more things: communicate, cooperate, and then you can collaborate. If you communicate, so so that you can see that you get get through or get past or have some kind of understanding, you're actually projecting something onto someone. And that you're actually fighting with your projection of someone. And, and if I see someone do, uh, doing that, I can't, unless, unless I get permission, I can't step into that. I have to watch what happens. Yes? Um, you said don't meddle with other people. I get paid to meddle with other people. Well, that's different. <laughs> so I guess I'm wondering how to go into that teacher role when the choice of the students that I'm their teacher is not completely theirs. Okay, well, that's that's a structure that they have just by that they're, how old are they? Uh, 12, 13, 14. Yeah, so they, they're, they don't really get to say too much about what they get to do at that point. So, yeah, it's a little bit different situation. You're there as a teacher. But I would really spend some time, if you're, since you're asking me, I would really spend some time that before you say anything to anybody about what they should or shouldn't do, look right in their eyes. Give it 15 seconds. That's a long time looking in somebody's eyes before you say do this, don't do that. They might even notice what they might, people that young are still, uh, have not uh, uh, lost their uh, wisdom eye yet. They're also not wise, they're children. More? What is that look? What, what, what do you, you say more about you're, the wisdom? Yeah, yeah you're, just, you're just looking at them. In other words, you're just present. Just being present is so powerful. If, you, if you're just there, they, they will recognize that, if they're that, that young, more than likely. I mean, I'm not saying that you wouldn't have situations where that might not work at all to, to be with them. They might scare them, or they might irritate them, or they might, it could be almost anything happen. So, but I'm not doing it so much for them. I'm talking about you. What is a teacher? Huh? What is a teacher? It's a student. That's, a teacher is a student. Yes, of course. You can't, you can't teach unless you're a student. You have to be a student all the time. Everything needs to be unreceived. You have to give your attention to every damn thing there is. Everybody's scratching uh, your face, uh, somebody writing over here. You have to see. If you focus on something, you ignore everything else. This is why I don't teach uh, Shamatha Vipassana, even though I practiced it and taught it for decades. Is it, I'm not saying that's wrong. Of course, it's great teaching. 
Somebody wants to teach that, they should do it. Go ahead. There's a forum right now where you're up on the cushion and we're down here. Yes. Sometimes in my classroom we do circles. Yeah. What's the difference? Circle is okay. Uh, someone who sits like this is actually functioning as a teacher. You'll, I'm sure you've noticed when I get off of this, I stop. It seemed kind of stupid. You notice that? You notice that? Well, you need to pay attention. <laughs> so it's it's just another another structure. It's a good uh, it's a good uh, question because the in our study groups we have circle we have kind of a circular situation and we have one person who is the f facilitator and they're specifically told not to teach. No, anytime you have a study situation. Uh, no one should be teaching anybody. Supporting other people learning, if you're looking at the Lankavatara Sutta, uh, Sutra or uh, uh, Shobo Genzo or, or the Buddhist Unconscious we've been studying by Waldron, you know, uh, work together, you know, look at, the, look at the, the concepts and discuss the concepts and then the facilitating person, they uh, would, would make sure that people are, that people are included. People that don't say much, just you know, to facilitate the energy and stay on. If it, if it goes off into uh, the I Ching or something like that, and we can that can be a later class. But you know, you would bring it back to to studying on the material. So I think a circle is good. Is that how you teach? Both. Okay. Both. How's it going? It's hard, but we're getting better. I like poco, that. Poco a poco, little by little. Well, sounds good. Sounds like a, a great thing to do. Yes, Chazan. When somebody um, stops going to war, what happens to their karma, or how does their karma change? So it varies. It depends on the force of the karma. It depends on it depends on what's been happening uh, for the last fifteen years, or twenty years, three years. In your case, six years. Uh, it, it's just it's still dependent. There's still a dependent situation, but it, it can't find. You know, just because you feel something, uh, you, you, the idea with some teachings that you need you might need to express it or something. And, and this, uh, the situation of of not having any um, solid self anymore, then whatever comes with the karma, it can't find a self to, that that will own it. So that 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 consciousness doesn't reject it, it doesn't accept it, and it certainly doesn't look away from it. And it and it it's just if it, if it arises, it arises. If negativity just comes out of nowhere and starts swooping down on you, uh, instead of labeling it depression, you don't do anything with it. As soon as you start naming any any emotion that's arising in you, that's coming out of apparent, big A there, apparent past karma or past lives, which we've looked at extensively. Anytime anything is coming from somewhere else, it's 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 uh, insofar as as it is looking for someone to have that experience. Uh, there's nobody home. So therefore, it could stay there. It could rotate around. It could. It could. It could do whatever it wants. Uh, it could give you cancer, probably. I mean, I'm not. I don't know. More. It feels a little bit like without finding itself. It sounds like you're talking about it not necessarily manifesting. But if it it does manifest, does yeah. it have anything to do with the, the self or no self? Well, how do you mean? Does it have? If any I mean? had um, the karma to be violent, and I were to see through. Yeah. the illusory nature of the ego, yeah, and that violence can't find the self, mm -hmm. might it still find an outlet? It won't need one, because it's not separate anymore. So it's just energy. It gets it gets depersonalized, and which means that the, the stories that are attached to it are, 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 just, are stories. Even if, even if it actually happens, this is why it's so difficult, because if somebody actually attacks you and you fight back, then uh, 
it just becomes very circular. So if somebody attacks you, I'm not saying you shouldn't defend yourself or get away. We're not, I'm not saying uh, you need to sacrifice your life or something. But watch very closely what's happening there when, when someone comes, because then you actually can justify being, uh, being angry at them. You can justify it. And that's when, when the, the self-centered mind comes up with some kind of evidence. All evidence is partial. You can't find proof for anything. If you do, come and talk to me about it. I'd like to hear about that. So when negative feelings are arising, uh, it's uh, the traditional way. I don't know who was a uh, Stephen Batchelor, I think one of the writers uh, talks about thoughts without a thinker. There's several other teachers that talk about that kind of a situation. I'm not saying it's uh, exactly that way. More? I guess it's just something we've been discussing a lot about is formalizing some sort of ethics situation. Mm-hmm. And Very much so. I guess that's where the question is coming from, is that could one be realized and still hurt others? (laughs) I guess if the karma, if there's karma that is related to whatever causes and conditions, and then one sees through the self that there's a realization that there's not a solid identity Mm -hmm. functioning, that karma, does it just disappear? Can it still show up as... Okay. Okay, so it's it's very unlikely, uh, but uh, you, you can't guarantee anything. And so we don't know. We have this this situation. If you you know, I've been around longer than anybody here, as far as I can see, and uh, including Mr. Roadhouse back there, right behind you. <laughs> you can't really guarantee anything. All we know is that is that in this life, if you can find uh, a way to understand what this whole complex is, this whole this whole self that seems like somebody who has an axe to grind or who can win or lose. If you think you can win or lose, this is confusion. If you think you're, you're, there's a, that there's a separation between life and death, this is confusion. I'm not saying that it isn't separated, but the fundamental nature is it's not separated. And when it comes to karma, karma doesn't really belong to anyone. It's just energy, and it can be extremely intense. And there are dimensions that we don't see here in this physical, in this low vibration called the physical uh, existence that we don't see. Now, some people uh, actually can see that. There are people in this room that can see much deeper into that realm than I can. But there's, go ahead, finish. Is there a misunderstanding when we put a teacher in front of us or raise a teacher up a little bit? Not that we shouldn't, but from a student's point of view, is there a misunderstanding of what we think that means? I think there can be. I think that's part of the ethics situation. Uh, I say, uh, I'm here, when I'm here, I'm functioning as a teacher, but I'm really nobody. I'm not, I'm not asking for any kind of special guru kind of thing. I don't use that word. I'm not against it. Uh, it helped me uh, when I was uh, very young, but it's uh, it's risky that area where you set somebody up higher than you. It's just a form. It's a form, and so there's nothing to believe or disbelieve. The fundamental nature of this is not separate, not separate, not separate. John. Well, the tricky thing about that question is the word "real." something. To... <laughs> uh, say more, John. <laughs> what are you talking about? Projection. Huh. Yeah. Do you think there's a, do you think there's someone who's realized? Is there? Do I? Yeah. Is there anyone realized? Well, I don't know what that word. I'm using that word, but it's. I'm, I'm just. I'm using the word, and then you can do whatever you want with it. Um, yes or no? Well, I used to think I knew what that word means, but actually, I don't think I do anymore. Okay. I've been at this a very long time, and I think when you refer to the difference between me and you, you refer to eight. <laughs> 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 there's not. Darn. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know what that word means. You know, we all like to have setups, and we like to idealize others. 
We do. And, uh, we often feel desperate, so we want that. We, we, we want do. that idealization. It's very dangerous. It is. Go ahead. Uh, Sanho down in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, Joey is with him. And the question is, what is the non-visual equivalent of looking into someone's eyes? So Sanho is uh, can't see. I don't know what the technical description is for can't see. Blind, okay. Sanho is a student of mine that's uh, blind. His name means uh, uh, Mountain Phoenix. Um, I think you, Sanho, I think that you already know what that is. If you sit in front of some in, in someone's presence and you don't talk, and you uh, put your whole sensorium on receive, uh, it may come through another sense. It may come through a sense of smell. Uh, probably in your case, from what talking I've done with you about, it's probably through sound. So uh, not being blind myself, I, I don't know for sure, but I would think it's still in the sensorium somewhere. Uh, just be there and be present. I, I can I can, uh, I can sense, uh, Sanho, I can sense your presence. I can't see you, but I, I, I sense your presence. And I'm not magic further. Um, Gyokudo from Minnesota asks, since we are receiving through our own filters, can we really ever know exactly what someone else is saying? No. <laughs> you can't. That's powerful. If you understand what I was, that's not, not what I said, but what she said. Powerful. You can't know that. So quit struggling. Kevin. Well, since the topic seems to be the three... Jewels three guys, that. yeah. Three things. Three stooges. Um, I, my question is about the, the <coughs> yes the teachings and yes. the Dharma. And first thing that I was interest, introduced to was the four noble truths. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I'm having a hard time actually yeah. verbalizing. But does can you actually cessate suffering, um, or is that a lie? Yeah, you know, I think it's a, I think it's a teaching device. It's a structure that that is meant to talk to people who have no training, no mind training, and this is why it's called provisional teaching. Ultimate teaching uh, is uh, is Buddha nature, and just before that is emptiness. That's the Mahayana path. But the, the beginning path is okay. We've got you know fifteen, fourteen, fifteen year old kids in ancient India that the the Buddha is trying to teach. Uh, probably some older people do, but a lot of them are just young people. So life is suffering. Life is difficult. We all know that, but we kind of cover it up with entertainment or something, and then it goes back into some kind of a stress or some kind of worry or some kind of tension, maybe some kind of warfare. On some level, it seems to be pretty difficult. Um, and then that's when we get into talking about the realms. You can live your whole, most of your life in the, in the heaven realm, which is Everything's good. You make money, have a good job. Your kids are healthy. You have a place to live. Uh, other people down the road are not doing so well, but you are. Just out of contrast, you know, you have that kind of a better support for your for being a living being. So that's happening. That's uh, and then there's five other uh, realms that uh, uh, we talk about also. So, um, but it's 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 something that if you uh, what you're asking about is a, the third one, which is cessation. Uh, the ces ces cessation of suffering. And I think it probably is more like uh, uh, the, the cessation of someone who's suffering. I think the suffering gets more profound because then if you stop uh, shielding yourself from the world as a separate being, protecting yourself with your ideas, your hopes, your fears, your opinions, then you're, you start giving everything your attention. You start receiving everything. It's a profound form of generosity is to receive 
or to give everything your attention. And then so when you do that, all that suffering is coming your way. But when there's no self, when you see that there isn't any a solid being, then we realize we're not separate from any suffering. This is a bodhisattva path. So it's not about a bodhisattva who's a really good guy, goes and helps people who are suffering necessarily, like Mother Teresa. Not that I want to take anything away from her, a wonderful person. Uh, but but the, the, the uh, bodhicitta na nature, the awakened nature of that, it has to do with uh, not, not no solid being that, that wins or loses or, or lives or dies. No solid center. Center, just this, just this, all the time, not separate. More? Can it still be called suffering? Could be. Why, why would you continue to label something suffering then? You might not. You, you, you would, it would depend, if you were, if your function like this function here, you would, you would talk about it, because that's probably what the person's going through. Anyone in this room that hasn't suffered today? Raise your hand. On some level, something has turned to, what's that word? Huh? Mush. Mush, mush. Thank you. I was going for another one. Something that you thought was a nice, solid, dependable armrest has squished. You know, some aspect in your life, and this is the thing. It's uh, uh, as a as a what was it? Uh, I can't remember which guy said this, but I like the quote. Maybe John, you could remember. Samsara is notorious for being without end. <laughs> remember that, huh? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we met a long time ago in Chicago when uh, we uh, both uh, were students at Trunkler and Bookchain. Yes. William Murray up in Grand Rapids asks, Yes, William. Are all of our thoughts of what our senses perceive projections? <sighs> are all of our thoughts of what our senses perceive projections? Yep. That's with a capital P. Yep. Yes. Then Anna Maria from Brooklyn, New York. Anna Maria, where has she been? Uh, she, it's a multi-part question. <laughs> When emotions get depersonalized, can anger still be violent? Fear be violent? What does it so, look like? What form of manifest does so, it have without housing? Okay, say so, so Anna Maria, you're not gonna be able to figure this out. You're not gonna be able to take your intellect, a particular structure of digging through the evidence and try to figure this out. So I would say uh, to to function, uh, to respond to that in the way that you're asking it, I would have to say yes and no. I would have to say that because you, you've, by asking the question, you've trapped me with your question. When I say you've trapped me, I'm trapped anything, but you, you, is she in there? She's trapped in there. What are you doing in there, Anna Maria? Now that's right, she's looking through that green eye. Uh, paraphrase your question and keep it really direct and simple. That way I can give you a direct uh, response. I don't know if it'll be an answer, but it'll be a response. Yes. You uh, mentioned that when the Buddha awoke, he saw conscious, or he saw receiving. Consciousness receiving, but there was no receiver. What he saw was uh, the Buddha awoke to delusion. When he woke up, he saw delusion everywhere. That was his awakening. That's why it was disappointing. Um, so I'm making the assumption that the seventh consciousness is the act of receiving, or at least owning the reception. What? That sense of I, I am receiving. I'm wondering how that um, felt sense of I is not a receiver. Do it a lot. Do it a lot. So that's why we. That's why we. That's why we sit down, uh, hold still, take a symmetrical posture because body and mind are not separate. Separated, but they're not separate fundamentally. We can't find the mind to get it to shape up. So we hold very still in this posture and we watch what continues to churn out 
thoughts and ideas and hopes and fears, and we watch it and watch it. And at some point, you will begin to uh, have what's called a watcher of a watcher. You will look for the, for the one who is watching. Have you done that? No. That's maybe. <laughs> <laughs> like that. So I'm not promoting watching the watcher necessarily, but it, and, and everyone is a little different. People go through different uh, stages. Uh, and there's different ways of working with that. But it's, it seems to be necessary to start somewhere. Start right here with your body sitting still and watching what is cranking up. You might spend, you might be watching your breath for a while. You might watch a daydream. You might watch, uh, um, the example I often give is like, if you just watch thoughts that are not, you're not particularly personalizing them, but you're appreciating them, it's like watching clouds. You know, at some point, you, you, the identity with the clouds, uh, the allegiance changes over from uh, grasping or rejecting or believing in or ignoring the clouds over to the sky itself. It's, it's a consciousness that isn't doing much. It's like the sky that's without clouds, just to use that as a metaphor. More? Is consciousness receiving? I don't know. How's it look to you? I don't know what Put on your thinking cap, man. <laughs> I, I get confused by consciousness. What it actually? You should. Uh, don't don't be too. Uh, give it a few years. Give it ten years before you find out what consciousness is. You're welcome. Thank you. I'd also like to remind everybody that this Saturday will be the all day. So please join us if you can. And we also accept donations in our donation boxes in the hallway, as well as via PayPal and through Square debit and credit card. May the mirror of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.